0: May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. So Jesus begins the familiar parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. I'd venture to say that when most preachers look at the lectionary, And see that this is the gospel reading appointed for this day? They were quite delighted. After all, this parable all but preaches itself. It's a bit like a really good political cartoon. The two characters are drawn with bold, clear lines. They're almost, almost caricatures. And with just a very few swift strokes, Jesus moves to his very clear conclusion. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. Now take that conclusion to heart, and when you walk out of the church doors at the end of the liturgy, go and do likewise. Done. And in some sense, it really is that simple. The preacher might want to alert the congregation to the fact that there were other Jewish writers of that same period, who were similarly critical of the sort of spiritual pride expressed by the Pharisee in Jesus' parable, that this isn't meant to be a a kind of a blanket condemnation of Judaism as such. The issue really is the kind of arrogant and self-assured pride that people can fall into, people now as much as then through which they can begin to trust in themselves that they are righteous, they've done it on their own, and then in turn begin to judge with contempt those who they have concluded have not made the spiritual grade. Years ago, a Jewish friend of mine told me a story that had been told to him when he was growing up. A rabbi went into the synagogue, and he fell to his knees at the front right before the ark, the, the cabinet in which the Torah scrolls are kept. And he thumped his fist against his chest and he said, I am nothing, I am nothing. And then the cantor of the synagogue came in and he too fell down on his knees beside the rabbi in that same place. And he thumped his hand against his chest and he said, I am nothing, I am nothing. And then the synagogue caretaker came in and he fell to his knees beside the other two, and he thumped his hand against his chest. I am nothing. I am nothing. At which point the rabbi turned to the cantor and said, Look who thinks he's nothing. (laughs) It's a joke, right? But here's some of the same humor in Jesus' parable. As he has that caricatured Pharisee, pray words so full of arrogance as to be absurd. God, I thank you, he prays, that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even this tax collector. And you can imagine him kind of turning and looking down his nose at the tax collector. As Jesus tells the story, the Pharisee then lists two of his practices his spiritual practices or his devotions his disciplines i fast twice a week and i give a tenth of all my income which in the context of the joke is enough to give us a sense of this guy's piety he's good at it but he's pretty proud of it it would also have given everyone in jesus original audience enough to get a good picture in mind For again, they were accustomed to other teachers of the time looking pretty critically at arrogance in matters spiritual. Then Jesus sketches out his figure of the tax collector, and he does it with those same quick strokes. The tax collector, he says, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And again, everyone in the original audience then had enough of the material to get the joke. They might have squirmed a little bit, though, at the thought of a penitent tax collector, because the tax collectors were both in collusion with the enemy Roman occupiers, and they were notorious for fleecing the people and lining their own pockets in the process. But given how the pious Pharisee gets knocked off his high horse, they probably still found the joke pretty funny. And here comes the punchline. I tell you, Jesus says, this tax collector went down to his home justified rather than the Pharisee. Hilarious. Except recall that Jesus said that he's telling this parable to some who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous, and that they regarded others with contempt. So who's laughing when he sends the tax collector home justified? Maybe just those standing in the crowd who didn't for a minute think the punchline included them, who love to watch this parable's Pharisee get hit in the face with a cream pie. And who pretty much missed the punchline after the punchline. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. Maybe there were a few in the crowd who really did get the joke, and who weren't laughing at the Pharisee, but rather they were laughing at the absurdity of grace, a kind of head shaking. The lights just went on laughter, the kind that can make your eyes well up with tears at the very joy of the joke. Gracious good news laughter, gospel laughter. But you know, there's a level at which we all still struggle to get the joke. Because we're inclined to want to subconsciously spin the story ahead, a week or two. And imagine that that penitent tax collector has begun to reform his ways. Or, as Robert Capon suggests, we want to send the tax collector back for his second visit with the Pharisee's speech in his pocket. With a new prayer that will accent just how much he's changed as a result of his penitence. Just how much he's reformed, just how righteous he's become. But that's actually not Jesus' point here at all. Don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that Jesus is entirely disinterested in the decisions we make about how we live our lives. In other parables, Jesus presses hard for life-giving and God-honoring choices. Recall the parable of the Good Samaritan. Recall the parable of the sheep and the goats. Think, too, of the Sermon on the Mount in which Jesus presses his audience to wrestle with a whole new way of being in the world. How we live does seem to matter, but none of those teachings are about successfully doing things such that we can begin to trust our own righteous selves. As in i fulfilled the requirements, I've ticked off all the boxes on the chart, and now, with the ledger sheet all full, now I can be assured of my justification. Jesus just won't ever go there. And certainly none of what he teaches anywhere makes any room for the kind of arrogant pride that results in contempt for others whom I might consider to be just a waste of space the way that Pharisee looked at the tax collector. No, the point in this parable is the tax collector's willingness to name the truth of his sorry life and the Pharisee's blindness to the truth of his own. Here's how Robert Capon puts it. Jesus condemns the Pharisee because he takes his stand on a life God cannot use. He commands the tax collector because the tax collector rests his case on a death that God can use. The fact, of course, is that they are both equally dead and therefore both alike receivers of the gift of resurrection. But the trouble with the Pharisee is that for as long as he refuses to confess the first fact, that he's dead, He will simply be unable to believe the second. As long as the Pharisee, or any of us, is convinced that he can earn his merit badge of self-justification by behaving according to certain rules and principles, the Pharisee will not be able to admit the brokenness of his own life. He won't even see it. For all of his piety, all of his fasting, all of his tithing, all of his rule obeying, he is just as dead as the tax collector, just as much in need of the grace of resurrection. He just can't see it, but the tax collector can. It's the same for us. God will not take our cluttered life as we hold it into eternity, writes Robert Capon. God will only take the clean emptiness of our death in the power of Jesus' resurrection. It's kind of a shocking statement, so I'm going to give it to you again. God will not take our cluttered life as we hold it into eternity. God will take only the clean emptiness of our death in the power of Jesus' resurrection. God will not take the Pharisees' cluttered religious piety, his self-assured religiosity, and his contempt for the world's failures into eternity. God will only take the clean emptiness of the tax collector's cry for mercy, his honest confession of the dead disaster of his sorry life. The thing is, God would also delight to take the confession of the Pharisee's life and the dead disasters of all of our lives and all of our weakness and all of our failings, that's what God wants in a death-resurrection faith and in this audacious joke that is grace. It might be a 2,000-year-old joke, but you have to admit it's a pretty good one. Once you get even a bit of a hold of it, All you can do is throw your head back and laugh. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.